0: love talk radio
1: We Are Not Cattle Radio, I am your host Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is Sunday, the 20, I believe it's the 28th day, did I lose track somewhere? No, it's the 29th day of April 2012. Yep, we're almost halfway through 2012, everyone. So once again, thank you for tuning in. Riding shotgun with me today is TJ Smith, you guys heard him on the last broadcast where we covered GMOs. So just to set the stage of what you can hear today, we're going to cover some topics that are in the news. We're also going to cover incrementalism. So when I say the word incrementalism, it it really is by definition a slow rollout, if you will, and how that's transpired in, in regimes in the past, how it's transpired in governments in the past and and how it's currently being developed in the united states today mostly under this stealth takeover that you're seeing of the um of the american government through the establishment and the and the mainstream media redirecting if you will redirecting the population to be distracted on certain other aspects of life rather than focusing on these life-changing decisions that are happening within our government today so what i wanted to do first was i wanted to explain why i got passionate about this and then i'm going to turn the floor over to tj turn the floor over to him and he's going to dive into what got him passionate about this now around two and a half years ago i was aimlessly i guess Perusing through life, not really diving in deep, not really doing any second layer thinking. I was taking everything at face value, and life was good. I used to go home and watch Sports Center, and and um, and really worry about what was going go on, you know, with the draft of my team, and and uh, and who my college was recruiting, and so that was really my focus. And I met one of the I met a guy at my first job. That um that I always considered a little bit out there, I guess, but he was a really nice guy, It was fun to hang out with. So he um he and I started talking and um he got me interested in what are called chemtrails. Now, chemtrails, for those of you that don't know, are the are the sprays that you can see for lack of a better term, that are coming off of a jet engine when they're flying overhead. Now if you're anything like myself and grew up in, in, rural, in rural America, you didn't see too many planes. But when you did see planes, you never saw them with a, um, with a chemtrail behind them. Now, there is a difference between a chemtrail and a contrail, and I'll get into that in a second. But he just opened my mind and said, just take a look next time. Just take a look in the sky and see what you see. And then if you want to know more, come talk to me. And so, me being the inquisitive person that I was, obviously I started looking up in the sky. Um, probably about every other day, maybe once a week and just seeing what was up there. And you'd see a few of them scattered around and it looked like little they looked like little puffy clouds, I guess, and then you would have the streak of clouds that would go right behind the jet engine. So I started getting a little bit more and more inquisitive and did my own research and found that the difference between a chemtrail and a contrail is a chemtrail will actually go behind a plane, and you will see it even after a lapse of 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, a couple hours, it'll still be there. Whereas a contrail is just condensation behind the wings of a plane that'll usually dissipate after about a minute or two. So I go back to my friend, start talking to him a little bit more, and he turns me on to a couple of different websites to look at. And then I watched the... um, the documentary that um that pretty much that pretty much changed my life i guess and it was um i mean it was earth-shattering to me and um once i once i started watching that documentary i started getting very very inquisitive and started looking for other areas to to broaden my horizons if you will and um and so i i then Started picking my friend's brain more and more, got into politics and got into what's really going on behind the scenes. And that's what really, you know, transformed me into the person I was today. And that documentary that I watched was called Zeitgeist. And for anybody that's ever seen it, it really will, you know, knock your pants off for about two or three days and completely scramble your brain. But that's what got me into this stuff. And now, um, you you go around and you try to spread the message of what's really going on to people and then they label you a conspiracy theorist but we'll get into the definition of conspiracy here in a little bit but TJ the floor is yours just talk about what what really started to to get you thinking outside the box if you will and um and and what um what got your inquisitive juices flowing
2: <clears throat> well um i have always come from um a church background and, um, you know, studying the Bible, um, especially um, Revelation, you understand the stuff about the Antichrist and the prophecy that's supposed to come. And I have always known that the government was corrupt, but, you know, I didn't actually know, um, <laughs> I mean, exactly how much control and force is what have actually had hands into it. And so me and my brother, we was actually working on um, a script for a movie. And so I was doing a lot of research, a lot of research trying to find it. And, of course, I was reading books, and then um, I stumbled across the documentary known as The Obama Deception by Alex Jones. And seeing that right there, it completely just opened my eyes to what was really going on. Did more research, started listening to him, watched some of his other documentaries, and it was like, man, mind-blowing. And then all of the pieces just started to fall in. And then I went from standing inside the Matrix to coming out of the Matrix and seeing how everything is actually at work. So
1: it's, it's... it really is one of those experiences. Now, if you if, did you experience the same thing I did for about two or three days, you just couldn't really process what you just saw, and and it's almost like your brain's kind of reprogramming itself to 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 view the the world that you used to see in a in a completely different light. Is that kind of what you went through?
2: I think it's well, like for me, it wasn't more of so like I was mind blown, but. I had to kind of take a step back, and because being inside society, we are always taught this one way. We are taught that hey, the government is this. This is how this works. There is nothing going on behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. But once you actually see everything, it's like, wait a minute. Okay, so everything that I have been taught is a lie. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and I think that that's the hardest thing to to combat. And um, and that's the you know I might as well just go ahead and talk about this now. Um, and Talk about what is conspiracy theory, and conspiracy theory is defined as a theory that explains an event as being a result of a plot that, of a covert group or organization, a belief that a that a particular unexplained event was caused by such a group, or The idea that many important political events or economic and social trends are products of secret plots that are largely unknown to the general public. Now, what has happened in society now, and and TJ, you and I talked about this to great length yesterday, is that we have been coached, if you will. Once you hear the word conspiracy theory or conspirator or something of that nature – you immediately go to this brush reaction that it is fantasy
0: okay.
1: conspiracy equals fantasy now so if you say there's a conspiracy of this it's like it's like something out of a a cartoon where it's just so far-fetched that it could never happen and that's exactly what you you kind of alluded to when you said that you know when you come out of the matrix if you will that it's just it's it's mind blowing because then you will actually question you will actually question the official narrative you will question the official press release and and for some reason and in some weird way questioning something that was given to you by a like you know like Alex Jones always says questioning proven liars is conspiracy People that have lied to us over and over again, questioning them being truthful with us now is a conspiracy. So, you know, now that we've kind of covered that and, and understood, and you guys can understand where we come from, and we're not talking about conspiracies on here. We're talking about things that can be proven, that have documented proof to it, and that you can go and cross reference this stuff for yourself. And that's where I really became passionate about it is because I I had people that were friends of mine that would always ask me, you know, you know, why do you believe this stuff? Why? Because I would try to go prove it wrong and I would find the exact opposite. It wasn't wrong. It was 100% there. But, you know, it's always hiding in plain view. So, now that the table's set, we're we're going to dive into the news and um TJ and I are kind of going to go back and forth, and then you guys can check out my website um, a little bit later on this afternoon. I'm going to post all the articles that we're going to discuss here, and you'll be able to find that on my website, www.wearenotcattle.net, and I'll have hyperlinks to all the articles that I reference here. The first article that I did want to touch on is one that was brought to light by my wife, who is an educator, and we'll just leave it at that. So one of the big challenges that that educators and everyone actually perceives is is the bureaucracy of the Department of Education. And within this article, and I'll post it, it's actually by a professor from the University of Georgia, and he talks about how broken the Department of Education is. And he even goes into talking about how Obama appointed one of his buddies from his childhood to um, head up the Department of Education – and you see this all the time within government, you see this all the time within large corporations is um anybody that was with somebody before will typically follow, you know, follow on their um on their coattails if you will and and just move around into high positions of authority and he even references that in the article talking about the the current head of the Department of Education has never been he's never been an instructor at all and he was actually – he got his doctorate. He wrote his doctoral dissertation on the foot speed of offensive linemen, and he was a coach. So not to take anything away from coaches, but is this the guy that we really want heading up the Department of Education in the United States, somebody that's never actually taught a class, that's never actually been on the ground floor and tried to get these students to do better, and, then they're, and the way that they're judged is by a Scantron test? that shows you how much that you've learned is how well you can bubble in and and go ahead and and calculate a predetermined answer instead of having free thinking and TJ and I both talk about that all the time it's just it's very it's one layer of thinking it's just repetitive it's just repeating stuff so the article is great you'll see it up on my site later on today and um, he he basically goes into great detail about why we should either abolish the, edu- the Department of Education or it just needs to have a radical makeover. So, TJ, if you want to cover the uh, the next article that we've got here in the stack, go ahead.
2: <clears throat> yeah. Um, this article comes from April 24th. And just before I get into it, let me kind of tell you that um, the U.S. Department of Defense has basically split the world into different sections. You have NORTHCOM, you have SOUTHCOM, you have AFRICOM, you have UCOMs. Centralcom and you have PACCOM. This is where that the US military actually monitors the whole entire world and they are able to specify troops into certain regions. Now, in 2008, US and Canadian generals signed a civil assistance plan, and this allows the military from one nation to another to support the other during a civil emergency. Now, The article goes on to say that from May 2nd through the 9th of this year, a major exercise known as Ardent Sentry will be held with U.S. and Canadian troops to focus on defense support of civilian authorities. It is set to be held in North Dakota, Oregon, Texas, Alaska, Connecticut, and Nova Scotia. What we are actually seeing is that now the United States, is looking to bring in foreign militaries to aid our military in the case of a massive civil disturbance. And as I will touch on later on in another article, you're going to see how they are even trying to bring in troops from rival countries into the U.S. So we have to look at what are they gearing up for? Why is Homeland Security buying more and more ammunition why are they trying to bring in foreign troops onto our soil? They're planning for something. Yeah. And yeah. And this goes in hand in hand with what we're talking about today: incrementalism. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and almost pretty much every article that you and I are going to go over today is is going to be to to some tie-in to the incrementalism and and what you can expect to see and and what you've seen transpire in um in other nations. I mean, it really is when you study history it is a blueprint for the future and it's a blueprint for what you can expect to see in the future so transitioning into the next article it's um... it's actually this article talks about the totalitarianism and it talks about the NDAA. so when i link to this once we cover that a little bit later on i just want to hit a couple of the highlights in and how this guy really does encapsulate what you've seen over this past administration and the huge overreach and the huge power grab that they have but then you have the mainstream media talking about how it's not really a power grab and it's really not something to concern yourself with so you know just to dive right into it it says in only 3 years the obama administration has established legitimized normalized a national security state apparatus that removes any doubt that a de- domestic policy is a prelude to a totalitarian police state, it's something that TGA and I both believe is, is going to happen, whether it's brought on by a financial collapse or, or a false flag. Well, we'll get into that also a little bit later. This apparatus has surpassed the Bush administration's attempts to expand executive power by crushing civil liberties of the U.S. citizens. And it has also done boldly with the only few – you know with only few critics – and without so much as a whimper from the so-called leftists, the state that is based on that is based on suspicion alone that the military can indefinitely detain anyone who is considered a quote terrorist or if they believe that you're a terrorist, which is what the wording says, or deemed an accessory to accessory to terrorism this includes US citizens. And he goes on to say, according to the ACLU, this law confides an in indefinite detention of military without charge or trial into into law for the first time in American history. And it says the NDA's de- dangerous detention provisions, the ACLU continues, would authorize the president and all future presidents to order the military pickup and indefin- indefinitely imprison people. Captured anywhere in the world Far away from the battlefield So Once again it's a great article to read Just to get you the the once over on What this regime has done in a short Amount of time to really You know behind the scenes expand The reach of government And really put us in a predicament To where The civilians don't even care anymore For the most part You're, You're running into people At least I run into people all the time that Whenever you bring up politics, they say, "Oh, I don't even really follow that stuff." So, they're doing a great job because everyone's distracted. So, and then meanwhile, while everyone's distracted, um, TJ, why don't you talk about the uh, the Russian troops?
2: Yeah, because it's so interesting. Because you know, as you was talking about uh, about that, you know, they did something similar uh, during um, the Cold War when they. Uh, well, When they basically had, you know, the whole entire red scare, they would put all these people on a list, and they would actually gather them up. And actually, April 27th, uh, major news media uh, reported this, and the Department of Defense has confirmed that Russian troops are set to target terrorists on American soil as part of a joint drill, which takes place in Colorado next month airborne troops from Russia would take part in drills between May 24th through the 30th through the 31st. Now, once before, you know, now Russia, of course, with the U S uh, fought on sides during world war two. Well, that's after Russia actually turned against um, Nazi Germany. But as you get on the sea base, you know, Russia has always been a major um, adversary of the U S through the whole entire cold war, you know, and, as we're looking into this, especially as we're getting into the whole thing with Iran and Syria with Russia backing them, it's, it's kind of make you wonder, you know, why would they actually let Russian troops train with American troops on American soil, given the ties that we have with them are not good. So,
1: well, I mean, it's it's like you said at the at the at the beginning of the show, you see all these these governments kind of intermingling with one another, and it's it's just basically ready to get us, you know, geared up for for the world government and, um, for the world police that are going to come around. And, you know, it's just, like you said, it's a prelude and that's why we need to talk about incrementalism. We need to study it. We need to, we need to apply it to our daily life because I mean, if you would have told me now, TJ, I don't know how you feel about this and you can comment on this in a second. If you would have told me that we're going to have Russian troops, Doing confiscation drills here in the United States With Americans I would have laughed in your face <laughs> I would have absolutely laughed in your face But now they just openly come out and say Hey, yeah, we're doing it You know, we're, we're coming in Yeah, we're doing joint ventures with these guys And, you know, we've got agreements with Canada and Mexico That in the, in the event of some kind of economic collapse Or some kind of state of emergency That we'll bring their troops into the United States In order to combat civil unrest So, I mean, what are your thoughts? If somebody would have told you that, you know, Russians were going to be working with us five years ago, what would you have done?
2: You know, if I really wasn't awake, I would have actually probably told them that they're crazy. Because (laughs) I would probably have a hard time trying to digest that, okay, um, Russian troops are not going to be over here working with U.S. troops. I mean, it's not just going to happen. But like you said before, they come out admit it and no one seems to care, but notice how they are disguising this as terrorists. Oh drills, yeah. Oh yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> and then you and then you have you, oh gosh, it's just it's so crazy. I got a I got a caller um, texting texan in here and he, he wants to know what city that was in. So what city was that, that drill gonna take place in again? It's gonna take
2: place in Colorado next month.
1: Okay. So don't have the exact city for you, but um, I mean it's going to happen in Colorado. That's where they love to do all their. Um, oh yeah. All the, they love it out there because they got their secret underground base that quote unquote doesn't exist and NORAD <laughs> and all that stuff. So it's just nuts. It all right, really so continue. Is. So continuing on with the news, um, there is a call to ban uh, cell phones while driving, as well as. Um, As well as a call to ban texting. Well, texting is illegal here in the state of Georgia while you're driving. But this is, um, you know, it's an article out of out of Reuters, and um, it was a couple days ago, where it was the transportation secretary said that you know they'd need to make it a federal law to. You know, to ban talking and texting on cell phones while you're driving because it's distracting and it can get you into, you know, wrecks and they talk about how many wrecks are caused by distracted driving every year. But, you know, when you look at it, it it all sounds well and good. It really does. It all sounds well and good. You know, I don't want to get plowed into the back of by somebody texting their boyfriend that they're going to be there in 15 minutes, and and I also don't want to get hit by somebody that's distracted by eating a cheeseburger. But at what point do we just say that, hey, this is up to the states to do this? You know, (laughs) you don't need the federal government coming in and telling us that we can't – you know, because it goes on in the article, and it talks about how they've already got distracted driving laws, and I don't need the federal government coming in and telling me that I can't talk on my cell phone. So. Here, here's a great scenario for you. What happens if I'm driving down the road, my wife's pregnant and she's about to give birth and cuz I'm an outside sales rep and I'm driving to an appointment and my wife calls me and says she's going into labor and I sit in there talking to her and say, "Well, what, you know, what hospital are you going to?" and then I get yanked over by the police and I got to sit there for 30 45 minutes while I get my ticket written up by the cops because the federal government decides they were going to pass a law for it. Now that's a little bit, you know, far-fetched, but once again, take it to the extreme with all these things that they're talking about because believe me when they implement these things these aren't coming off the books you know it's kind of like one thing uh-huh. that one thing that's always certain is that once your taxes go up guess what they ain't going back down so it's just absolutely ridiculous now tj you want to take the the next one and then um and then we'll we're um we're almost at halfway the halfway mark, so we'll uh, we'll jump into the main topic after you talk about the uh about the US fighter jets.
2: Yeah. Now yesterday it was reported that the US Air Force has deployed their F-22 Raptors to the United Arab Emirates, which is uh and now keep in mind that these planes are the most sophisticated planes inside the world that we actually know of. Oh, yeah. But they are uh, combat tested. Now, um, I have talked with um, one of my friends and her boyfriends inside the military, and he has confirmed that, yes, we are going to war with Iran. Listen, listen, listen. If you do not think that the war with Iran is coming this year, then, you know, you are really blind because the signs are there. They have shipped numerous fleets into that region, and one thing I know that Lindsey Williams also said, he said that the global elite always like to show you what they are going to do before it happens, and notice how we have this movie called Battleship that is coming out depicting the U.S. Navy engaging with alien um, ships, but inside the movie you see our ships being destroyed. And Ron Paul said um, at a rally that um, be watchful of false flags against American ships.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean he talked about that. He talked about it linked on um, – I mean I, I think it was uh, – I think you're talking about InfoWars where the reporter caught up to him and asked him. He's like, well, what do you think about false flags? Because that was a big part of his speech that he gave in uh, – in, in was it in Austin? I think it was, right? Yeah. hmm it was a big part of his speech that he gave in Austin and said, you know, I'm always leery of a false flag with this government. And he knows because they've done it before. And once again, we're going to get into that later. So let's dive right into the topic for today. And the topic for today is incrementalism. And then once again, we define incrementalism at the uh, at the top of the show for the people that just joined us. Incrementalism is nothing more than – it's a fancy word for a slow rollout. Mm-hmm. And this is the way that most governments get get the stuff accomplished in the big the big schema things, if you will, the broad picture. They get it accomplished by incrementalism. As I always say, you're not gonna see people going around machine gunning, you know, protesters anymore because, you know, the population's just they're just You know, they've seen that song and dance before, and they've learned from history. They know that if somebody comes in a black uniform to put a bag over my head and ship me off, that's probably not a good thing. So they're on the lookout for that. So what do they have to do? They have to do things by increments. They have to do things by taking a little bit here and a little bit there rather than biting a whole chunk out of the entire pie. They take little pieces of the pie. So the way that you can look at this is is a couple of different ways. Now – One thing that I do want to reference, and we're going to go over some historical stuff here, um, a good barometer for what you see in the United States is the Roman Empire. Now going back to Rome, now what was the Roman Empire? The Roman Empire was actually a republic at first until Julius Caesar came in and overthrew the Roman Republic and made it into a monarchy. So in essence, it was exactly what we see here today. And the thing that that scares me and it scares most people is when you see bills like the NDAA, when you see things like the Patriot Act, when you see things that start leveraging more power towards the executive branch and taking it away from the checks and balances that this nation was founded on, much like the Roman Empire was a republic, and it had checks and balances, and it had two separate councils that you know, were elected and they were both advised by the Senate, and by the time that Julius Caesar took power, he made pretty much the Senate was just basically a, um, it, it was like a figurehead for the lack of a better term. It was just ceremonial, if you will. So that's one thing to watch for on the political realm. You know, if you look at the history of republics, republics typically die out. And there's been, you know, there's always been a um, there's always been a, a an ongoing debate about what really killed the Roman Empire. But typically, what you'll find is the empires when they start expanding beyond their beyond their capabilities, and it always happens is um is they run out of funds they run out of funding and they run out of support and they and they end up losing it from within and that's kind of what you're seeing with the United States now and for those of you that don't think that we're an empire go do a google search or do just go into any search engine and say how many united states bases around the world and you will be astonished and then just look at a map of them we got over 120 bases all over the world I mean you know you talk about spreading some people thin I mean it's it's you know our our military spends more than almost every other military combined that's how big of an empire we are but once again the mainstream media and the propaganda machine won't let you know it because you know that's their bread and butter the military industrial complex is where is where they get paid also so they have to support the status quo so tj why don't you talk a little bit about germany and the timeline that you can see with incrementalism with hitler and then i will talk about the russian incrementalism and also um and also tie into collectivism and and how that really played a role in what you saw in the russian regime and exactly what you see in the united states today
2: just like how you see that – oh, but now, Obama, I'm not calling him Hitler, but what I'm saying is a lot of stuff that he is, actually has been doing can be compared to him. And one thing about Nazi Germany is it didn't happen overnight. This is the main thing you have to realize. See, in January 30th, Hitler was appointed chancellor of Germany, okay? February 27th, you had the Reichstag building was burnt down. February 28th, the emergency decree for the protection of people and state was passed, which led to the which led to the suspicion of civil rights, a ban on the left wing press, and the rounding up and arrest of communist and socialist leaders. Hmm, you know, that sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? It really does. You know, <laughs> March 13th, um, we have Joseph Goebbels set up um the right propaganda ministry.
1: Oh, you talk about Joseph Goebbels? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead.
2: Uh May second, where, where am I? Uh oh my bad. Yeah. Well going down to May second, we see that the trade unions were banned. And May tenth, on un- German books were publicly banned. Mm-hmm. July fifteenth, my, yeah, my bad July fourth, all political parties other than Nazis party were banned. And then as you keep on going on throughout the years, you see how that the SS were set up. You see how the sterilizations were then inputted. You see how um, you see how that they first started be- beginning to crack down on Jews and how they began to first started to kill Jews. And finally to 1939, you see that the false flag on Poland, which took place on August 31st, 1939 by SS agents. Actually took place in which you had SS agents actually dressed up as Polish, and they basically staged an attack against Germany, and this will finally lead into World War Two.
1: And it's funny, we got um one of our uh, one of our guys listening live was talking about how, you know, the Germans slept while Hitler stole power. Well, yeah, that's what happens. You get a propaganda machine that starts rolling right along and starts explaining how great. Your society is, and how they demonize certain certain segments of the population. Just to take that a step further, think about the war on terror, guys. Remember the war on terror? Now, last week is officially over, so I guess we can get rid of the TSA now, right? <laughs> oh, no, 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 oh no, oh, no, no. <laughs> no. Well, we still gotta, you know, maybe somebody. So, so here's what happens. So when you have somebody that goes out in little increments, they'll they'll typically they'll typically start out demonizing a certain political party that everybody can get behind. And if you guys want to see something that's absolutely mind-blowing, go and watch some old clips about George Carlin and about who he thinks should be targeted because he talks about, "Hey, if 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 you're a brown person, watch out because, you know, that's the people that we're going to target." And so what they did, the American government has the 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 false flags and then they set up the the quote unquote boogeyman they set up the boogeyman and and since he's you know since he's a Muslim And since the the majority of Americans are Christian There's already some kind of tension there And then you have them come out And say well this is the guy that did it And this guy is 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 the bad man So the American public All zeroes in on him Yeah let's get him Let's, let's get the terrorists Let's go ahead and bomb them And I've heard people say let's parking lot him You guys have no idea what you're calling for there Because the American public is so detached <laughs> from war It's absolutely ridiculous Because we always see war as something that happens over there it never happens on American soil it always happens somewhere over there so once they get you conditioned to start hating one specific group then they switch it and then they they say, Okay, well now it's for now the war on terror is over, now we gotta start watching for domestic terrorists or the rogue terrorists or the lone wolf terrorists. So now they've got the American public so scared and shaking in their boots and even the police and the military to some extent, they will sit there and they will just Absolutely, dwell on the fact that somebody's going to put a bomb somewhere. And if you see something, say something. Oh my God! There's a backpack laying on the side of the road. It's probably a bomb trying to kill kids. You know, that's the leaps that we we take as a society. And I didn't mean to. Sorry, TJ. I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. You you care to expand on that a little bit? I pretty much hit it?
2: Well, you know, like I said, <clears throat> one of the main things that actually happened is that they go from okay, um, this is the enemy. And then they come back reverse it what they're doing now and then they put pressure on the civilians and now we become the enemy. Yep. So we are the enemy of the state. So once before you had okay, Al Qaeda, they are the terrorists. Oh but wait a minute now, we don't know who who could be part of Al Qaeda. So now we have to watch each now we have to watch each other. So this allows them to put in surveillance of us. Mm-hmm. and this keep us inside this prison of the mind that hey we need big brother we need big sister to watch over us because we don't know when the next event can happen even though there is plenty of record information that shows that the US government and these global elite are actually behind the terrorists themselves
1: Oh yeah, I mean they fund these groups. They fund the groups to go in and, and start scuffles in in other countries, and that's all on record that they'll fund certain terrorist groups to go in and and overthrow regimes. I mean, if you look at confessions of an economic hitman, you know I even I referenced that a couple shows ago, where he talks about his job was to go in and offer deals to these third world countries, and when the third world leaders wouldn't accept the deal, he would tell them point blank, listen, you need to accept this deal or it's going to be curtains for you. They're gonna ha- they're gonna come in here with either a hit squad, or they're just gonna out you r- right out. And he said that on a couple of occasions that he tried to get these leaders to sign on to these agreements, and they wouldn't do it. And then the jackals come in, and the jackals just take them out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it it really does come to a point where as as citizens, as fellow human beings, we have to stop being naive. And stop thinking that everything that we see in front of us is reality.
2: Exactly. Because
1: there, there is a layer to reality that we do see, but there's also a layer that you don't see. And the only way to get to that layer is you got to dig for it. It's just like trying to find – I mean it's it's just like trying to find crude oil, I guess. Uh, and what most Americans will do is go in their backyard, I guess, for, for lack of a better analogy. Go in their backyard with a little pickaxe and dig for six inches and say, well – there's no oil here. I guess there's no oil here. You know, instead of taking the drill and going down to a thousand feet or what have you to find the actuary, they just go with that first layer of thinking and just plug right along. So that actually transitions perfect into the slow rollout of what you see here in the United States. And we do have a couple of things listed. We got number one, the Patriot Act, obviously, which was so loving and good, which Basically, legalize the warrantless wiretaps that the government was doing before, but now makes it legal, and it's all in protection for our safety. Remember, governments will always use the protection of its citizens as the overwhelming excuse. Much like TJ just read after the Reichstag fire, hey, we gotta we gotta put the clamp down on you because it's for your safety, and everybody <laughs> will just buy into it. So. You know, the Patriot Act, and I'll actually post it, TJ sent it to me earlier, I'll actually post it on my site. So within the uh, Sunday show article, you guys will be able to download the entire the entire um, Patriot Act yourself and read through it yourself. Now, piggybacking on top of the Patriot Act with the warrantless wiretaps and, and so on, you do have the NDAA. Now, the NDAA takes it a step further, much like I referenced in the article earlier where you can have indefinite detentions of American citizens and this is due to you know, this is due to just a hunch that you might be possibly maybe associated with some kind of terrorist organization. So no due process, no trial, no nothing. You just get shipped off to to Never Never Land with a bag over your head and possibly never seen again. So I personally don't think the American public will will wake up to something of that magnitude unless it really happens to them. So I do have a clip here uh, just about how the overreach is going to happen and about how the NDAA and uh, the Patriot Act are both threats on your civil liberties. And then um, I'm going to get into this a uh, little clip here by Lindsey Graham and about how great and loving the NDAA was. So here's the little clip.
0: Home and abroad, give our intelligence and military agencies statutory guidance and authority to do things that need to be clear rather than uncertain. We're 10 years into this war. Congress needs to speak. This is your chance to speak. I am speaking today. Here's what I'm saying to my colleagues on the other side and to the world at large. If you join al-Qaeda, you suffer the consequences of being killed or captured. If you're an American citizen and you betray your country, you're going to be held in military custody and you're going to be questioned about what you know. You're not going to be given a lawyer if our national security interests dictate that you not be given a lawyer and go into the criminal justice system because we're not fighting a crime, we're fighting a war. There's more due process in this bill than any other time in any other war. I am proud of the work product. There are checks and balances in this bill that have been working on for 10 years. The mandatory provisions do not apply to American citizens. They can be waived as they impede an investigation. We're trying to provide tools and clarity that have been missing for 10 years. This is your chance to speak on the central issue 10 years after the war, the attacks of 9-11. Are we at war? Are we fighting a crime? I believe.
1: All right. I had to stop that short because I was just about to throw up on myself. But, <laughs> I mean, you just hear him talk about how we're at war. We've been at war for 10 years. And it's, you know, it's the phony war on terror that's cost us thousands and thousands of U.S. lives, it's cost us millions of dollars. And. You know, they love it because, number one, they grab more power out of it, and then they get bigger budgets and and they get to, to funnel that money to their buddies that are the defense contractors and all of that good stuff. So, you know, moving right along here, um, TJ, why don't you talk about PDD-51, and then I'll play the Peter DeFazio clip.
2: All right. And, you know, one of the things to also touch on is that as he was talking, notice as he says, you know, that if, if you are a threat to our interests, They don't actually specify onto what the threat is. You see, the threat could be how me and Jake are actually talking about them. They could classify us as terrorists and want to lock us up. And into that, getting into PDD 51, which is the Presidential Decision Directive 51. It is the document President Bush Jr. signed into effect in May 2007 and later passed on to President Obama in 2009. The directive allows the president to declare a state of emergency in which he deems fit and allows for the continuity of government to presume. However, even though this document has been passed, a lot of this document has actually been classified, and they have denied Congress the ability to review the entire document.
1: Yeah, that's – yeah. I mean, that's a perfect spot. Let me, hit, let me hit you guys with the Peter DeFazio clip, and then you can pick it up right there, and then we'll, we'll dive into CISPA really quick. So here is exactly what TJ was talking about where they denied Congress, and Peter DeFazio, who was on the board of Homeland Security, he's on the board. He's not just some low-level, you know, freshman here in the House. Here's what he had to say about it.
3: British. He was back the balance this time. For what purpose does the gentleman from Oregon rise? That objection. Most Americans would agree that it would be prudent to have a plan to provide for the continuity of government and the rule of law in case of a devastating terrorist attack or natural disaster. A plan that provides for the cooperation, the coordination, and continued functioning of all three branches of the government. The Bush administration tells us they have such a plan. They introduced a little sketchy public version that's clearly inadequate, uh... and and doesn't really tell us what they have in mind but they said don't worry there's a detailed classified version but now they've denied the entire homeland security committee of the united states house of representatives access to their so-called detailed plan to provide for continuity of government they say trust us trust us the people who brought us Katrina to be competent in face of a disaster trust us The people who brought us warrantless wiretapping and other excesses eroding our civil liberties, trust us? Maybe the plan just really doesn't exist, and that's why they won't show it to us. I don't know. Or maybe there's something there that's outrageous. The American people need their elected representatives to review this plan for the continuity of government. The gentleman's time has expired. All
2: right, go ahead, T.J., pick it up from there. Well, you know, like I said, um, as you go on to see that, you know, all the president have these executive orders and, you know, there's a lot of them. If you really want to um, look at them, I'm going to give Jake the link that that, that you can look at all of them. But a lot of these executive orders, they allow the president to take control over pretty much everything inside the U.S. You know, even the people. He they, they have an executive order that allows him to basically to gather up people into workforce groups and allow them to control them. And you know, moving on into CSPA, uh, which has recently had just passed, is the Cyber Intelligence Sharing and Protection Act. Basically what this bill does, um it basically um gives the government access um to any information um that is deemed a cyber threat to government, private security agencies, and private companies. They are basically taking the Fourth Amendment and throwing it out the window.
1: Yeah. I mean and um I've got a clip from Ron Paul that um, we might play at the at the very tail end of the broadcast where he puts his comments up on Cispa and he really does break down what you're what you're really gonna see out of this CISPA. And you know most people don't know about it, and and they won't know about it until their website gets shut down or their Facebook starts getting monitored, and the cop shows up at your house because you said something on Facebook. I mean, that's literally when the public is gonna have to is gonna have to wake up to all of this garbage that we're facing here. And it's just you know I I always wonder about halfway through the work week what I'm gonna talk about during the show, and then it's like there's just an absolute flood of information, and you're like oh my gosh now I gotta. Now I got to dumb it all down and try to figure out how I'm going to get to everything. So, you know, we we're going to talk about false flags just just to touch on those. So, TJ talked about before the Reichstag fire. Now, what the Reichstag fire was was an internal operation by by the leaders of the Nazi Party in order to set fire to their own capital frame a patsy for it, and then gain control. And then what did they do the very next day after the Reichstag fire? They set the fire. The very next day, they declare a state of emergency and gain control. It's a very simple playbook, and it's been done multiple times over. And, you know, not to to harp on this, but think about, and I know that everybody's got an emotional tie to it. But think about what happened on 9-11. Think about what happened in the United States. Think about how different your life was before 9-11. And think about what happened the day after 9-11. We invade. We pass this draconian law a couple of days later. Talking about how they can do warrantless wiretaps. It all looks like the same playbook just with a creative overlay. So, you know, when you when you really sit there and look at it from thirty thousand feet, false flags are something that governments have been doing for a long time, even our own government. And TJ's gonna get into Operation Northwoods here in a second, and it's gonna sound eerily familiar to what we saw. So here is um here is another thing to to kind of piggyback on top of the Reichstag fire was was how did germany actually get to invade poland well they got to invade poland because of what's been deemed as operation himmler which he touched on before but basically the operation was they were going to they're going to set up a perimeter and the germans were going to stage an attack on the german perimeter and then say Basically, just say with a couple of video clips and whatever um, that that the Polish people did it, and they carried out acts of vandalism and and left behind dead bodies in Polish uniforms, and then you know sent that back and said, here's what happened: we were we were attacked, and so now you have your pretext to go ahead and and invade Poland, and that's exactly what happened. So T.J., why don't you touch on the Gulf of Tonkin and then uh, Operation Northwoods? And then we'll go for the wrap up and um, and leave everybody with the uh, with Ron Paul's thoughts on CISPA.
2: When you go back inside history, you can see numerous times there have been numerous false flags operations. You know, a false flag is basically defined as when a native country basically used deceptive means, and so they will stage an attack against themselves to make it seem as the rival country did it in a pretext to go to war. When you look at Operation Northwoods, which was during the Cuba Missiles Crisis, the U.S. wanted to invade Cuba. However, they did not really have the jurisdiction to go inside there. And Operation Northwoods was, was a document that was presented to John F. Kennedy, and thank God he did not go through with it. But inside this document, the Department of Defense says that they could blow up a u.s ship in guantanamo bay and blame cuba they said we could blow up a drone unmanned vessel anywhere in the cuban waters we could arrange to cause such incident in the vicinity of, of havana or santiago it says that um they could develop a communist cuban terror campaign in the miami area and other florida cities and even in washington They can start rumors, burn aircraft, blow up ammunition, so forth. They were risking and willing to kill. They were were willing to kill U.S. civilians and military lives just to go into war. You get into the Gulf of Tonkin. Lyndon B. Johnston claimed that it was the North Vietnamese who attacked American ships, even though that the men and the commander of the U.S. ship that was attacked said there was no such attack by them. In fact, that they actually attacked themselves. The Gulf of Tonkin was a pretext to go into Vietnam, which cost the lives of 58,000 American lives and millions more dead.
1: Well, you had to go in there because they had all the opium, man. Oh, I yeah. mean, that's... You, you, when you when you see these false flags and they and you see once again any time a country gets invaded just just by rule think about think about you know think about why obviously but think about who benefits at, at the very top who's going to benefit from this you look at when we invaded Afghanistan why do we invade Afghanistan well we had to go find Osama bin Laden right now this is now, what's happened since we've invaded Afghanistan is they produce you know, almost – I think it was what? – what is it, like almost 90% of the world's opium? It, it, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, they are
2: the number one producers.
1: Yeah, so they're the number one producers of opium, so we go there. Now, now when you think about it from – once again, if you think about second-level thinking, who's going to benefit from that? Well, whoever's trafficking the drug trade, and then – you have, CIA. yeah, you, you've got multiple, multiple examples of the U.S. government being involved in the drug trade. Multiple examples, whether it's, you know, whether it's even if it's some little, some little company like, well, not little, but like Wachovia and Wells Fargo laundering the drug money for for the drugs that are coming out of Mexico, or whether it's, you know, whether it's the um, or Bill Clinton get caught and you know loading loading opium on c one thirties in the in the iran contra i mean there's just it's always gonna be the people at the top that are controlling all of this stuff and they'll and they'll go out there and and um I've actually been chatting with one of our listeners who's who's pretty knowledgeable and it says that always equals money bribe and, and and our politicians it's exactly right and and so once again, when you see the United States positioning ourselves with war with Iran, not to say that Iran is good and not to say that um that they need to be they need to be blasted back into the Stone Age either, but you have to take a stance that that the United States government is going bankrupt. And that's just something that you can't deny. We're we're going bankrupt as a nation. And what happens when you bankrupt somebody? And this is getting into the little bit of the financial side of things. When you get bankrupt, guess what? All of your assets are now up for sale, and they are up for sale for pennies on the dollar. So, you know the the Fed has done a great job as positioning the United States into a no win situation. And how do they do that by making money cheap? Go ahead, TJ,
2: pick up. keep in mind, if you go back inside history, see, history never lies. You will see that the Rothschild did the same thing inside Britain. When you had the Battle of Waterloo, he was forewarned he was forewarned twenty-four hours ahead of time that Napoleon had lost the war. And what did he do? He told the people that Napoleon he told the people that Napoleon had actually won the war. This caused the stock market to crash. And what yep. did he do? He bought it up pennies by the dollar. This is exactly what's happening now. Yep, that's it.
1: You, you really, you really do run in the run the risk of once again. You, you have to look at it from it's so many different prongs, and I think that that's why I think that that's why the American public gets so confused because they're so used to just either number one, just regurgitating stuff. Or number two, the, these these concepts are so complex that they'll actually have to sit there and think about it, and it's something they don't they don't want to do because, like I alluded to in the very beginning of the show, if you think about it and then you subscribe to it, then it actually exists, and then you have to address it. But if you think about it and then just dismiss it, then you can just kind of go on with your day-to-day life, and it doesn't really change anything. So the one aspect of of the nation that I am concerned with is is the economic bubble, is the derivatives bubble. And for those of you that don't know what derivatives are, you can actually look at my show archive through um, wearenotcattle.net, and you can pull up my show that I talk about specifically the derivatives bubble, and I talk about what it is. And basically, derivatives are just made-up bets. And they pay an astronomical amount, but there's two different ways to do it. You could either have a derivatives bubble that pays off, or you have derivatives that don't pay off. And there's nowhere in between, really. So you can make – much like John Corzine, and I always go back to this because it's something that I did deep research on. I watched his entire testimony on C-SPAN and almost threw up. So what happens is you have these guys that will take your money, your investment money, have you, and they will make bets.  … to try to leverage your capital that you have in their accounts and make themselves more money. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But what John Corzine did is he got very reckless, and he started making 30-to-1 bets against the euro. And then when the euro crashed, guess what? You've got all of these extra – you've got all these extra people that you have to pay, but you don't have any money. So what do you do? You got to go in and you got to find the money somewhere. So where did he find the money? He found it in what's called your segregated accounts, which are your private funds. So he in essence took his shareholders' private funds, leveraged the money out and lost it. It would literally be like that movie. If you guys remember the movie um back in the the late 90s, it was about a it was about a recording studio and it was um It was about a record studio, and they had this guy that was the manager, and what he did is he took all the money – it's called Empire Records, thank you. He took all the money that they had in the safe and went to Atlantic City and lost it all. That's exactly what John Corzine did. He took all of his investors' money, went over to the casino, put his huge bet down on the euro, and lost it. And now everybody is out of money, and they don't get it back. So – T J we got about thirty seconds left. You got any final comments and then um
2: we'll sign off for the day? The final comments is basically that incrementalism has been used inside the past and it's being used today. And if the people do not wake up and you're going to see the exact thing happen that has happened in Nazi Germany and the Roman Empire.
1: Yeah. I mean you're gonna see you know, history for those that don't understand history, are doomed to repeat it. To you know, to really just summise the the um, the all encompassing you know theory that we should all live by. We got to study history. We got to know that this is what's going to happen if we don't step in and make changes and start holding these people accountable. So appreciate your time, everybody. TJ, thanks for writing shotgun. Tune in next week, guys. One o'clock. We are not cattle radio once again. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Thanks for listening, everyone.